0: Actually, why don't you sit down, if that's okay. Sit down uh, for a moment. Uh, but turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I had uh, the privilege of watching a movie, God is Not Dead. Has anybody seen that? We watched it last week. Somebody flipped us the, the Blu-ray, and we were blessed. And uh, we watched that. And man, I was just I was just encouraged. And what many people don't realize is that there is an assault in the universities of our nation and even the world uh, upon, upon religion, upon the Christian religion specifically. And there is a constant barrage and undermining of um, Gnosticism, I would say, and even atheists, uh, which can all frequently go together, but atheists, for the first time in history, have begun to be um, evangelists. They're, they're recruiting more than ever before to prove uh, that, you know, that there's no God. And I really enjoyed the movie. And from that, began to think about uh, the text of Scripture that we're going to read to you. And I don't have notes for you, but I would encourage you to go ahead and use those. So now, are you ready Would you all stand up on your feet, please? And turn to Genesis chapter 1. Where are we turning? Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 26 through 28. And then we'll look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 to 17. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. Somebody say, I've got dominion over the creepy stuff. That's the fact. Amen. Verse 27. (laughs) So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves in the earth. Go to chapter 2 now. That comes after chapter 1, and find verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, now a river went through Eden to water the garden. From there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts around the whole land of Halava, where there is gold and the gold of the land is good. And Bedellum and the onyx and the stone is there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the the third is Hedekel. Hedekal. It is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth is the Euphrates. And the Lord God said to the man, Put him in the midst of the garden and said, Tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, Lord, towards us and what all that you have done this morning, three services, and now in the fourth service on this Sunday. I thank you for your people who you've gathered, for those that are online, and we thank you that you're gonna move in power in our lives tonight. Come on, just ask God to talk to you. Talk to us tonight, God. Release all that's in your heart. Give us living understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, A number of years ago, I was a part of a discipleship school. at that school, they, they had a problem. It was in Hawaii, and they had a problem with these rats. How many of you have seen a big rat? How many of you have seen a Norwegian rat? Yep. They're big, man. They got, their, you know, they're big. I mean, just the body, not the tail. About this big. They got some girth to them. And they're, they're really terrifying. Have you ever seen a New York subway rat? About the same size. They're just freakish. I mean, they're part of the fall for sure. You look at those things, it's just like, oh, God. Well, they had this rat that was terrorizing terrorizing the girls' dorm over there, and being the spiritual giant that I was back then, I thought that I would give myself the charge of dispatching the rat. I was going to kill it. I was excited about killing it. We had a number of different ways we thought we would kill it, and this particular rat was in the women's uh, showers and bathrooms. It was a separate, a separate building. And those roofs there in Hawaii, they were all made of metal. You ever seen those metal roofs? They don't need any insulation, they don't need any of that stuff. And um, we had a deal we, we made at, at chapel one day, is that if anybody ever saw the rat, they just start screaming, and then one of the guys would come and dispatch the rat. In other words, kill it. And so we had a, a thing called a Hawaiian spear. Anybody know what that is? A three-pronged spear. And uh, it's a long fiberglass pole with three prongs on the end and uh, usually it has a a rubber band, and you kind of put your finger through the rubber band, and then you can, you know, inch up on it, and when you let it go, it launches. It's called the Hawaiian sling or Hawaiian spear, and so there I was minding my own business uh, in my dorm, and I heard "Ah, people freaking out, and so I came out and I was in a dead sprint. I was the first one to get there as girls were running out and the building's empty and I run in with my three-pronged spear and they say, it's up there! As They run screaming in fear and I'm just ready to kill this rat and I look up and this rat is like ready to gnaw on my head. You know, I mean, it's just right there. And it's like... And I just launched a spear, totally missed, ripping a hole through the tin roof, which I did probably 15 times, butchered that roof, just back and forth, trying to stab that thing, as the rat laughed at me. You say, how does that tie into this message? (laughs) Well, it points to the uniqueness of who we are. That rat was more scared of me, I promise you, although I didn't know it really. We have authority, points to the uniqueness of who man is. You're made in God's image. You're special. Amen. Now, who are you? I mean, who are you? I mean, if somebody's asked you, who are you, how would you answer that question? You say, well, I'm, I'm Daniel Bracken. I'm 37 years old. I'm lean, mean, ripped, 225 pounds <laughs> in my dreams. That's who I am. No. I mean, who are you? Ask yourself that question, who are you? What, who defines you? The psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of? Then son of man, what is man? Some answers given today in universities across the land, you'll hear one answer is that man is, is simply a, a machine made up of complex biological or biochemical responses that man really is nothing. Another, uh, another has suggested that the, we are the ultimate evolution of millions of years, saying that you're really just a chance accident in a chance universe, a product of a primordial slime. That's what some would have us to believe, that you're the frog that was kissed by a prince, that somehow, miraculously, we rose from the dirt. Eastern mysticism would say that man is an illusion. If those are the answers to, to who man is, and I thank God they are not, but if, I, if, if those were the answers, and we are really a people without purpose. But the good news tonight, as many of you are already aware of, that is not who we are. God has answers in his word from this text. It's going to help you with your identity, help you to understand who you really are, who, who your neighbor is sitting next to you. It's a significant passage, in fact, in the book of Genesis. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are really the foundation for all of life. If you don't know and study the first 11 chapters, and I've done series before, if you don't know and study the first 11 chapters, you will not have a foundation for really understanding who you are, who God is, and what we're here for. It's crucial, really. Let me ask you this question, how is it that we have the ability to love or to think in terms of right and wrong or moral motions? How is that? Dogs don't do that. Whales don't do that. As cute as the porpoise is, they don't do that either. Only mankind thinks in terms of right and wrong, thinks in terms of justice. How is it that you spend time? I know some of you, don't raise your hand, some of you spend a lot of time. Some of you perhaps should have spent more time in front of the mirror, looking in the mirror. How is it that, come on, smile, I'm just kidding. You you, you looked in the mirror, and you checked yourself out. You're like. Uh How many of you spent time looking in the mirror today? Okay, dogs, don't do that. There's nothing in all of creation that spends time in front of a mirror. Name one thing, nothing. Actually, I mean, there's some birds that look, but they're not fixing their eyebrows. They're certainly not getting wax jobs or removing the monobrow. So why do why we do that? We think in terms of beauty. You know, my dog, um, his name is Grace. We had Grace and we had Mercy, but we had to get rid of Mercy, the dog, because um, it needed deliverance. And so... The deliverance was brought by becoming part of Pastor Vince's household. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but our dog, you know, um, we haven't seen it in a while because we just haven't really let her. But, you know, our dog, if we bring our dog near horses, it just fills its gut with horse poop. It just loves eating turds. You know, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you would think that it would just, you know, not do that. And then you get sick, it's got diarrhea, and then the kids have to clean it up. It's no fun. Animals don't think in terms of moral choices. They don't think in terms of justice. Only human beings do. Only humans think in terms of justice. And there's no answer in evolution and science of why they're away. They cannot, people cannot explain that. The answer is found really in the text that we looked at and I want you to say this, ask this question, who am I? Who am I? Well, that's great. Because if you don't know who you are, then you will basically struggle with um, identity theft your whole life. And so if you don't know who you are, then you're going to settle for anything. Oh, I... I, I should show the video, but it, it's Sunday night's family night. We do this on purpose. All our kids sit with us. Generally speaking, we've got—we don't have children's ministry tonight. All the kids are here. Why? Why would we do that? We're not trying to torture you. <laughs> we just believe it's important that kids should be with families in church together, worshiping God. There is a there's a very strong uh, theological understanding of why we do that, and and generally we have we don't let. Our kids really aren't kids anymore. They're becoming young adults. But for years, we just, you know, can I go sit with Bubba? No, you can't sit with Bubba. We're sitting with the family. And we've done that on purpose. And so tonight, as we move into this message, encourage your kids to listen. Now, that as they're playing with their Legos or doing their drawing, you know, they can retain retain more, I remember looking down at my children when I was preaching under an anointing, I mean a power of God coming down in the church, and I remember watching Danny or Hannah playing with something, just stop. And they're just glued on me and, you know, getting touched by the Lord with the Legos all in their hands. It's a, it's a good thing. I want you to ask, say, say, Lord, Lord. Who, am who am I? Well, if you look at verse 27, come on, let's get into the word. For a few minutes tonight, help you. Let's read verse 27 of Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Created, created, created. Three times the word of the word of bara is used in the Hebrew bara. Three different times. It's to create or transform. but the way that it's written is it's like God's pausing for a minute. He's saying, yeah, let there be light. He spoke and created everything else. But when it comes to man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Created, created, created. Barah, bara, bara, Three times. And the point is, by the way that God is saying that, as... Moses wrote the book of Genesis under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's God is saying, now, hold on. This is not a plant. This is not a dog. This is not a fish. It's not an animal. This is not, this is not a tree. You know, we've made all of those things. This is man. Very different. Very different. Not from primordial slime. Not the product of the evolution of a toadstool. Created. And you'll notice again the description of the creation of man in verse 26. I want you to look at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us, let us, is talking about the triune God. Let us make man in our image. Let us make man. Not let us speak. Not, not let there be light. Let there be sea. Let there be the firmament. God spoke all of those other things. Mankind was not spoken into existence. He was made by God. Very, very different. This is not just in there just because it's in there. It's in there to points to something that we deeply need to understand especially in this day and hour when people are just saying that you know that that really we're we're a product of of biochemical reactions and as a result babies fetuses it's not really a big deal to get an abortion that's what they say because if you just came from a toadstool it's easier to kill a product of a toadstool however if you're made in god's image not easy to do that God made or took time to form man out of the dust and breathe into him the breath of life. This is Genesis 2-7 now, if you'd turn there. Look at this with me. Genesis 2-7. The word there, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The word there is nephesh became a living being. You see, the idea is that the breath of life cre- pressed into our, our being made us actually alive. Or the soul is, is another word for nefesh. And what's God saying here is you're not just a chance product and a chance universe. You're created by him in his image. Every single one of you. Every single one of us, so whether you were raised in poverty or raised in the palace, every single one of us come from God. Every one of you come from, from heaven. What do you mean I come from heaven? God created you while you're, look, maybe, God forbid that you're, you're, you know, your mom wanted to abort you, but you survived. The truth is that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, says God to Jeremiah. And that, that you know, when people come back to the Lord, We say it's called coming home. You know why we call it coming home? You know why it's so profound when you experience God's presence, God's power? It's because there's something that's familiar. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can't quite put your finger on it. You're like, oh, and you'll usually weep. You get impacted by God's presence. Why is it so familiar? Because that's where you came from. That is where you came from. You didn't come from a toadstool. You didn't come from biological reactions. You didn't come from the evolution of an ape. You came from heaven. Now, if that's the truth, and this is the truth of the word of God, that changes everything. Everybody say, that changes everything. All right, now you got to cock your head and do with attitude. You ready? That changes everything. Yes, it does. Wow. You're significant. You're special. Come on, somebody say I'm special. I'm special. Yes you are. You're special. You're made in God's image. You have the breath of life. And man made Man is made in God's image and likeness as we talked about and is unique from all other life on earth. Now, if you get a distorted view of reality, you get a distorted view of reality if you who you are is distorted. See, if you don't really understand that, then your view of life gets distorted. You don't want to have a distorted view. Man made, pardon me, man is made by God as a, as a person able to relate. Now that's, that's unusual, really. Now think about this. That's why we're made as a person able to relate. We can think about us thinking. Go ahead. That's that's unique, man. That's different. You can think about you thinking. About you thinking. Ooh. Some of you are like, what? (laughs) Can have dreams and visions and work and take action and see dreams and visions come to pass. You can have a dream. Look, we have a dream right now. We've we've purchased our, our property. God gave it back to us. We're beginning to create. We're You know, mankind can create. We're doing that. We're designing. We're believing. We're praying. We're going to create a new building that we'll move into in about two years. Hello. It's amazing. I've been building a chicken coop in my spare time. And um, now I know why other people have that gift and I probably should have called on them, But we can create. <laughs> we can create things. We're God's representative to enforce dominion in the earth, really. We're, we're like God's stamp. You see, Adam was, man, was, was God's representative in the garden. And when Adam walked in the garden, creation heard him, saw him, and was like, it's, it's God. Oh no, it's Adam. That's how significant. The fall of man. I lived in, in uh, Bellingham, Washington long ago. And they had some old growth trees in Bellingham, Washington. And I, I lived on this 80 acre farm. And there were some of these old growth trees that they took out and used for lumber, and the second growth was coming in. But some of those old growth trees, one or two of them were left on the ground. Has anybody ever seen a sequoia? Now, there's no sequoias there. You stand next to a sequoia, and you look up at that thing, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. But you really actually don't realize how big it is unless you get next to one when it's on the ground. One preacher said, one theologian said, the fall of mankind was so significant, it's like seeing a giant old-growth sequoia. But when it's dropped on the ground, it takes you 10 minutes to get to the one end to the other. That fall of mankind was so significant and so big. Thanks be to God that the last Adam came and redeemed us. Can you say amen? But understand tonight that you're sacred. Look at your neighbor and say, you're sacred. And that's why in Genesis 9, it says, whoever, oh, you need to turn there. Genesis 9, 6. Genesis 9, verse 6. Go on, turn there, get your notes out. It says this. Whoever shed man's blood by his blood shall be shed. For the image of God he made man. Whoa. You say, is that, is that capital punishment? It absolutely is. Really, for the believer, it is a biblical idea to have capital punishment. The problem is, is our justice system, you know, you can end up taking someone's life who maybe was innocent, and that's a horrible thing. But you're so significant and sacred that, that your, your, your blood is sacred. Your life is sacred because you're made in God's image. Wow. We're immortal. We live forever. Where you live, heaven or hell, is up to you where you choose. we have a choice is you, you know it's amazing that the garden there's these trees there and there's the garden and the and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil why <laughs> why did God put the tree there Lord could you not put the tree there God did you have to put the tree you know what the the, the, the picture of the tree is a picture that you and I have a choice Come on, somebody say, I've got a choice. Yeah, you have a choice to live for God or not live for God. You have a choice. Every one of us have a choice. As I've said so many times before, the ability to choose or free will is what theologians say is the glory of man. God could have just wound us up like a little robot, like the deist would think. God created everything like a clock and backed off and just lets it run. That is not the God of the Bible. God of the Bible, he made us in his image, and then he gave us free will. He gave us the ability to choose. Because he's a loving God, and love doesn't happen in a vacuum. Love happens by choice. It's a choice. It's a choice you make to be loving or not to. It's a choice. Come on, somebody say Amen. Now, if everything I've taught you is true, and it is, as I stand before God from his word, if we're sacred and we're made in the image of God, which we are, so you're sacred, you're made in God's image, you're special, you're significant, you're created by him, he made you, (sighs) breathed his breath, the nefesh, the breath of life, made you a living being. If that's the case, then I think it would be fair to say, following logic, That you need to, I need to, we need to treat each other with respect and dignity. You need to treat each other, we need to treat each other with respect and dignity. And we need to be careful how we treat each other because God sees that person that you're talking to as the object of his love. It's really an amazing thing. I had the revelation long ago, not through some Bible study, which certainly revelation can come, but the lights went on for me as I was embraced and hugging my soon-to-be wife, and the Lord said, take your hands off her. She's, she's mine, take your hands off my daughter is specifically what he said. Well, my hands went off rather quickly, and praise the Lord. She belonged to God, didn't belong to me. We got married, now she's mine, so it's all good. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm are so thankful for that. But the end of the other thing that that would say, if we're special and we are, we're made in God's image, we're significant, that there's no... We need to treat each other with, with dignity, with respect, but there's also no place for prejudice, for God's sake. There's no, there's no place for, for racial or social prejudice. There's no place for it. It really isn't, because every one of us is made in God's image. It also talks to us about abortion. Abortion's wrong. It's wrong. It's murder. And they're trying to dumb down all of America. I mean, you know, there's a book called, I think it's called Follow the Money. It is, uh, it's an amazing thing what they're doing, especially uh, with boys today. They're taking boys. Boys are different than girls, and all the girls said, praise the Lord. And all the men said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Boys and girls are different. Boys learn differently. And and we've basically tried to take boys, and this is my opinion, all right, tried to take boys and press them into a mold that maybe works for females, but doesn't work for young men. And then when they're, when they're they're going crazy because they want to go outside and build a fort or something. And I understand there needs to be discipline, but they're losing their mind because they want to go shoot something, build something, hunt something down. And then we give them a bunch of Ritalin because we call them ADD. I, I just think it's insane. Boys and girls are different. I think they, and, and you'll, you'll find that the meds in America, oh, follow the money is the book. Go, go read that. It's crazy. I I'm, might be upsetting some of you. I mean, I, I'm sure not here in the sanctuary, but there's folks that they're, they're boys so off the wall. Well, dude, you never spend any time with them. You never throw a ball with them. You never take them fishing. You never do anything with them. Why wouldn't he be off the wall for God's sake? And then you want to blame the system or say some kind of thing and put an iPad in his hand and wonder why he's got ADD with a screen flashing in front of his face. And actually what you develop is you is you train a kid to be ADD and train. Am I am I preaching? OK, is this OK? And, and then and then the kid ends up with pectophilia. What's that? That means addiction to video, to, to screens. They just have to see that. And then when, when you get an, a, a, a preacher up in front of them, if I'm not doing something flashy or faster, run to the other side, change the image, and quick, come over. I can't even hardly keep their, con, can't even keep their concentration. And so we, 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 we throw up videos and we do different things. It can be wonderful. It can also be handicapping. Don't put a phone and an iPad in front of your kid and expect that to be a babysitter because he you, you will end up ADD and messed up and jacked up. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't know how I got on that. It's not quite in my notes, sir, but, but it's good. Some of you are like, oh, snap, I just locked my greatest babysitter. I know it's easy. It's easy. It's easy, and you can do that. Well, they're educational videos, Pastor. Well, that, that's nice. But, but nothing can substitute you sitting down, eye, eye-to-eye eye contact, telling your child how much you love them, reading a book to them. That can, that, I don't care what kind of cute little educational programs. The human interaction cannot be replaced by any iPad, iPhone, Android, any kind of roid. Can't be replaced. Amen. Well we have gotta be good stewards. You see that God in this text talks about us and how we're to take we're supposed to take care of the garden, work the garden, tend it and keep it. I've talked about this many times before, but the word shamar, tend and keep, keep shamar is the Hebrew word, and it's the first indication that there is an enemy in the garden. Keep is a, is a picture of protecting. You know, we're supposed to be good stewards and have God's view of nature. Let me read you some verses. Matthew 10, 29, he knows when a sparrow falls. Matthew 6, 28 through 30, he knows he closed the lily of the field. Oh, turn Jonah. The book of Jonah, chapter 4. We'll put it up on the screen here. Jonah 4, verse 11. Jonah 4, verse 11. This is interesting to me. That God takes Jonah. By the way, that ISIS group just destroyed his tomb. Are you aware of that? You ever wonder what that's about? Think about that. Think about that. And should not I pity Nineveh? This is This is the Lord that great city, which are the more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. What? And much livestock? So God's concerned about the livestock. Do you know God's concerned about nature? He's concerned about we need to be good stewards. There's people that said, oh, we're overpopulation, so we should stop having children. Then you know that the, the Islam and will just take over. You stop having kids. Have lots of kids. Be fruitful and multiply. That's if you're righteous and you and you know how to raise kids. I think you should have lots of kids. I think people that who are living right before God and know how to train them just have just have a whole gaggle, have a whole flock of children. Amen. Raise them and the nurture and admonition of the Lord and launch them out. Praise the Lord. Humans are more important, however, than spotted owls. You know, I was uh, I, I was in Lebanon, Oregon. In Lebanon, Oregon, and Sweet Homes, anybody know where that is? At I, I was there. That's where the two sons of thunder are from, the two Reynolds boys. And it is a um, it's a logging community that that still has some logging, but mostly logging's over. And people that were, you know, loggers, they, they all lost their job. Do you know why they lost their job? They lost their job over a little creature called the spotted owl. And there is environmentalists that are hell-bent on protecting all kinds of things and don't give a fig about people, don't care about that, but they're, they're out for environmental protection. I, I you know, it's, it's all a scam, man. I, that's just my opinion. Go look up Agenda 21, embrace yourself. That's right, Agenda 21. Go check it out. A little terrifying, all that. But, you know, God's in control. Some of you are like, Agenda what? Agenda what? 21. Agenda 21. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm a, I just believe we're headed for the greatest revival ever. But we need to take care of our environment. It's important. Amen. We're supposed to be good stewards. And you're more than, that, that whole industry is wiped out by that, the, the spotted owl. They actually had people that would sneak into the forest and put things in trees so that when lumberjacks came to drop the trees, it would set off snares and explode in their face and kill the lumberjack for an owl. I think we should take care of owls. I'm told they taste like chicken. At any rate. Come on, you in Alaska, man. Praise the Lord. Give me my gun. Let's go hunt. Praise God. All right. (laughs) <laughs> you can't say that kind of stuff when you're in like Colorado. You'll have people just lose their mind. They just come out and stone them. I'll be preaching in Colorado probably over this next year. I'll be sure not to talk about all that. Praise God. Be all things to all people that you might win some, win some to Christ. Thank you, Jesus. All right. The, the second thing in chapter two, verse fifteen. Look at look at Genesis. The Lord God took men, put him in the garden of Eden, tended to keep it. It's a picture of work. Everybody say, get a, job. get a job. Say it again. Get a job. I will tell you right now, if you feel like God speaks to you, that you're not supposed to work, that's not God. Okay, very good. I'm going over this side to see if I can't get an amen. If you have a word from the Lord that says you're not supposed to work, that's not a word from the Lord. Now, there are handicaps. There are people that have injuries. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. If you're able, if, you, if you're physically able, not handicapped, in some way that would keep it, but even still, you can do something for God's sake. Work is sacred. It is a sacred thing. And when you don't work, and the Bible says you shouldn't eat. You don't want to be a holy hobo and a freeloader. Don't be a flake. Work. And you know, I, I do want to say this. That the work that Adam was doing was with the garden. And uh, you know, a, a lot of times we find ourselves now working with computers and programs and doing things on the internet, and I think that can be great. But I'll tell you, there is absolutely something. I it's just my opinion. Something happens for me, and maybe it's just me, but something happens for me. When I get outside and I work outside with my hands, I I just, I don't know, there's something about it. Just get in the earth. I don't like doing that a whole lot. But I like doing it, I like doing it enough to just sort of connect, you know. Come on, somebody say work work is sacred. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. And as I, I think I started to say, but there's a popu, you know, population explosion. Some say, well, we, you know, the, there's too much population. That's rigi- ridiculous. Although population is larger than it's ever been in the history of the world. Somebody said, we're going to run out of food. Listen, they're coming up with all kinds of new ways to cause food to increase. You know, and I'm, I'm not talking so much about genetically modified food. I just think that God can provide for us. Boy, I'm stepping in it all over the place. Praise the Lord. Genetically what? Yeah. Agenda 21, GMO foods. Okay. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, what's he talking about? Put up Colossians 1 and verse 9 through 20. The true image of God is seen in Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1 and verse 9, we're going to read this. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, Go verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. We're going to go all the way to 17. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. Read this with me if you're able. It's up on the screen. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. One more verse all together. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. We are made in God's image and likeness. We're sacred. We're different. We're significant. We're powerful. We have dominion. We have authority. Come on, somebody. Come on. You're not a slime a slime, you know, or originating from the slime. You're not biochemical reactions. You might have come from an ape. I'm sure I didn't. I believe this right here. I believe that God created us and made us. And if you don't have that perception about who you are as a human being, a human being made in God's image, you will live a distorted life. You're called to work. You're called to exert your authority, your dominion, even in the earth and to be fruitful, to multiply. And Satan wants to destroy the image of God and man. Let me read this to you, 2 Corinthians. If you want to put it up, you can. Verse 4, 4, we're almost done. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Notice God of this age is small g, talking of Satan, Lucifer, the ugly one. The red guy with a pitchfork. I'm not actually sure he even carries a pitchfork, but I know he's ugly. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age, Satan, wants to keep you blinded to who you are are you are not a chance accident in the chance universe you're made in the image of god you've got the breath of god you're a living human being and that's not a human doing it's a human being you're a spirit with a body not a body with a spirit say it with me i am a spirit with a body not a body with a spirit you're having a human experience and soon this tent is going to fade and you'll live forever and depending upon the decisions on, uh, that you've made about whether you live for Jesus, repent, or you choose to deny him, will determine where you live. I, I need to say this. Somebody asked, can't, can't Satan repent? He cannot. And there's a number of reasons for that. But one of the reasons in application of this message is this. The decision that you make when you go into eternity, that's it. There's no more changing your mind when you go into eternity. Whatever decisions are made in eternity, that's it. It's over. It's settled. But when you're here inside of time and space, the decisions that you make up to the point, then when you pass, that's settled. When you pass, that's it. So thankful for, for the grace of God. Anybody else? And God wants to make us into the image of God. Let me, let me say this. Remember, read this last text and we're done. Worship team, please. Romans 8 and verse 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. To do what? To be conformed to the likeness of His Son. This is Romans 8, 29. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers. God wants you to know tonight that you are significant, You're sacred. You're special. And so is the person sitting next to you. So is that person that you cannot stand at work. There's no place for disrespect. There's no place for prejudice. There's no place for any of that. Their angels see the face of God every day. They are the object of God's love. Human beings, no matter how ugly they might act, are still the object of God's love. We need to treat people with respect and dignity. We need to work. Come on. Don't have a distorted view of who you are. You're made in God's image. Stand with me and say it. I'm made in God's image. Say it again. I'm made in God's image. Say, I'm sacred. I'm sacred. Now let me say that if you're sacred and you're made in God's image, I would encourage you to surround you yourself with people who will treat you that way. Now, we're gonna minister to, to everybody, every everyone everywhere, but the people that are close to you, pull people close to you that treat you as sacred, treat you as royalty, because that is who you are. You're royal. Not a royal pain, a royal blessing. Oh, we thank you. Come on, just let God cement that in your heart. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Come on, just ask the Holy Spirit to wipe away the cobwebs. Of our culture come on we're sacred people are sacred made in God's image before you were in your mother's womb I knew you I called you to be a prophet to the nations as he says to Jeremiah hallelujah Forgive us for where we've not treated people with respect and dignity. People, the object of your love, forgive us, Lord. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, come now. Touch each and every one. Lord, touch those in Delta Junction that are online. Lord, touch touch Pastor Josh in Hawaii right now online, God. Bless him anoint him as he goes into his service to thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you that you translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son. That we are born again. We're free. The curse that came even in the garden has been broken by the last Adam because we believed on you. We, Lord, have been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been called to be your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation. Thank you for the privilege it is to be made in your image. We're not dogs. We're not chattel. As Islam teaches women women are significant they're not chattel Lord, thank you the Christianity has made great breakthroughs because that's who you see us to be made in your image made in your likeness to so help us to walk that way to treat work as sacred to move in power and authority to tend and to keep that which you've entrusted to us as stewards Lord, over the land and over resources, even resources in Alaska, we thank and praise you for it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I want to give you the opportunity to get right with Jesus. Never want to close a service, ever. Want to close a service without giving you an opportunity to repent and give your heart to Jesus. I believe that you'll invite your friends as a result of that. But you need to examine your heart tonight. If you're not right with God, don't you wait. Don't you hesitate. Do it now. Right now. If you've drifted away, maybe you've given your heart to Jesus, but you've you've drifted in your walk. You're not close with God. You know you're not living for Him. If that's you, in a moment, I want you to lift your hand. Give your heart to Jesus for the first time. On the count of three, lift your hand. Recommit. Come home. Quit drifting. Recommit your life to the Lord. If that's you, on the count of three, any of those categories, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Perhaps online. Come on, let's all pray and then we'll close. Father, thank you. Come on, say, Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior, wash and cleanse me, make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and use me to fulfill all of my purpose in the earth. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer, amen. Now say this, say I'm born again, I'm made new. My sin is thrown away. As far as the east is from the west, I'm a new creation. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. God's gonna use me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Take someone by the hand as we close tonight. I hope that you got encouraged. You got something for us to sing there, Reverend? No? <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. Did you take someone by the hand? All right, praise the Lord. Pastor Karen, come and close us. Lord, we thank you for your word that's gone forth tonight with power. And God, I just thank you for your people. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace in the most awesome name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you Wednesday night. Listen, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, I'm in the midst of a series called Warning, Don't Be Deceived. I'm going to tell you, I think it is one of the most powerful series. I've ever st- ever done. God's to begun to speak to me about this next Wednesday. Don't miss it. Get somebody. Get here. It's going to be powerful. 7 o'clock. Ministry to the whole family. We love you. Peace. Bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Brackett.